and welcome to another episode of Story Screen Reports, the Story Screen news show where I, host Robbie Anderson, compile what I believe to be the top news stories in film, TV, and entertainment, and put them on a Google document and grab one of my friends. Today it's Mike Burge. How are you, Mike? Mm, He's doing all right. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. And then we discuss the news. Uh, You know, source reports. Try to do it every month. Sometimes I get busy. Sometimes shit happens. But excited to be here today to bum everyone out because we're going to be talking about the strike. We're talking about strike talk. Doing strike talk. Uh, Strike talk. Strike talk. For people who don't know, there is a labor crisis happening around uh, the thing that we like to talk about here today. Mm. Uh, the thing that Story Screen d- deals with the most mm. is film, TV, entertainment. And there is a labor crisis happening. I wrote something up uh, myself just to kind of give for... I feel like people listen to this know that there's a strike happening, but I just wanted to kind of yeah. set the... Newsflash, asshole! Like, yeah, it's like, oh, a, mo- a movie podcast? Let's check that out. A movie well, What are podcast? these guys talking about? Whoa! But uh, I just wanted to like kind of set the stage because uh, all the articles going forward on this episode, I really wanted to make it strike focused. I, it didn't feel right to talk about things that could be interesting happening in industry without talking about kind of the the long dark shadow that is uh, trailing behind it. So yeah, like Jonah Hill. Like the stuff with Jonah Hill. The stuff with um, Jonah Hill, which like this, I, I think is fucking delicious. I think well. <laughs> I just think that I feel like we learned that there's two crazy <laughs> people out there. Yeah. That's what we learned. Everyone's it's like, great. can you believe Jonah said that? I'm like, can you believe either of them exist? Like, I'm on. Yeah, both of them are like both, really it's weird. Like, it's really That's weird. Probably it's why that they weird. were super attracted to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, but and anyway, the yeah. He uh, sucks. <laughs> so, on May 2nd, 2023, the Writers Guild of America, aka the WGA, went on strike. The WGA represents 11,500 screenwriters. Its strike is over an ongoing labor dispute with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, a.k.a. the AMPTP. On July 14th in 2023, the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, SAG-AFTRA, joined the WGA in solidarity and began to strike as well. The last time both these unions went on strike was in 1960. Residuals, the streaming model, ownership of one's likeness, corporate greed, and the regulation of artificial intelligence are all on the table. If you want to help striking actors and writers, please donate to the Entertainment Community Fund, a link that I believe we can provide in the description of this episode. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of where we're at. Uh, Because all of these articles are compiled over uh, the span of a month, you know, just kind of be aware of like the timetable and timetables and how things change. But uh, I'll tell you this, they're still on strike. So that uh, yep. is still happening. I don't think that that's going to change the next two days when this episode posts. I so don't think so either. So we highly doubt be, it. Won't be quite the time capsule I wish it was. But Mike, do you have anything you'd like to add before we uh, jump into the news stories? Um. I mean, real quick, uh, you know, uh, last night I uh, I barbed my E and um, the week prior I had ah, opened yes. my Heimer. Um, and now mm. I believe that you have also done both those things. Yeah, I opted my Heim and barbed my my, bar- my B. Your, your E. Yeah, you barbed yeah, your E. Mm-hmm. I barbed my E. Yep. Your E got barbed. Uh, big movies. I feel like it's kind of a little bit 
I feel like the release of these two movies will kind of forever be tied to the strikes going on right now. It's one of the biggest blockbuster box office weekends um, in in cinema history. Like it is just a juggernaut. The fact also, too, that the new Mission Impossible movie is still just sitting there and its second week is like not doing the box office like any harm as well. Like it's pretty good. But I feel like these two movies, especially like the promotion and stuff like that, was really just this kind of social media effort. And we have to think about how far ahead certain studios might have known that something might be coming up that would uh, diminish the marketability and promotion of these movies when they were releasing um, in order to start something like Barbenheimer, which, again, is a very grassroots social media public use um marketing campaign that paid off like it paid off like i think killian murphy and margot robbie and greta gerwig and christopher nolan to an extent might have at one point just been like yeah it's pretty cute that they're doing that and that's pretty much about all recognition um well the thing is we wouldn't be getting much recognition because uh because like the striking actors and writers are not able to even promote the movie Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it's it's interesting having, like, Greta and Chris Nolan kind of be the people who get to talk about the movie, like, mm-hmm. to press. Uh, it is bittersweet, though. I think this whole thing, for me, and, you know, I really, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer and the event of, of Oppen Barbie or ba- Barbie Opper um, is, is really cool. It's really cool to have people, like, so excited about movies, but it's so just fucking sad and bittersweet because of this like ongoing labor crisis, it makes it, you know, you can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it 100% because I, there is a little, all these people, you know, there is a little thing in the back of your head. That's just kind of like, you know, Oppenheimer, one of the biggest things that really carries that movie is the cast. Like the cast is out of control. It's the same thing with Barbie. Like that is that whole movie works or doesn't work in my opinion on the casting and who's playing what character. My biggest thing, five stars, Oppenheimer. Amazing movie. It's one of Christopher Nolan's best. It's probably going to redefine how the biopic is made for the next 15 years. Make it action. Love it. Every time. Yeah. Do it. Um, Barbie, still sitting at a four and a half for me because of one fucking thing. And I loved Barbie to absolute fucking pieces. I think that Will Ferrell is maliciously miscast in that movie. I love Will Ferrell. Every time he showed up as the CEO... I was just like, stop, stop it. <laughs> I And I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I'm, I, there was just something about it. I feel like it should have been just a little bit more, not even played straight, but a more straight laced performer. Like John Hamm, I think would be perfect. Kind of doing like a Don Draper fun. kind of thing. And we know he can be funny. It's just like, he does that. It's that thing that me and you have talked about with Elf, where I'm just like, 15 minutes into Elf, I get it. Well, yeah, but that's I'm, not I'm the classic, whole movie. I'm a classic elf enjoyer and you're a yes. classic elf hater. Um, it's just like I'm like, it's the same joke over and over again. And I think elf is a very well-made movie and it's got a lot more heart to it than most comedies do. And I appreciate that. It's just I think that Will Ferrell is turned to 11 for the whole thing. And I'm just like, stop, I need I need to breathe. And that's kind of the same thing that's I feel like happening with his character in Barbie, where it's just like, I feel like you're just a little higher in like anti-reality than anyone else in this movie, including like Barbie land characters. Like you're just a little too goofy or like self-knowing kind of thing. Well, yeah, I think it would have made more sense for the execs to 
play it straight. A um, little bit it, straighter. Well, because they're human characters. But mm-hmm. then they, like, you know, have to understand this outland- outlandish, mist, like, uh, uh, imagination realm of existence yeah. so kind of makes sense i i really like barbie uh i my only gripe with it the only reason i didn't get to like for me i think on letterboxd i did a, a it's because it's anti-men well. yeah it's because uh, it's because it's so woke uh no i i thought that it was it's such a triumph the way that it um takes such heady concepts around gender and feminism and uses the proper proper nouns that go along with it and distill it into a blockbuster format it, it it shouldn't work and the movie shouldn't exist and it shouldn't yeah. be make the amount of money it's making i do think though that uh you know when when you're having these like heady conversations it, it can invite criticism and i do think that the conversation around like gender inclusivity and uh and the conversation around like queer people is so intrinsically tied to what feminism is mm-hmm. uh and that conversation is kind of like not there you know uh mm-hmm. and i thought that was like a little you know, where do you put it? Movies at a nice, just under two hours. It's great. Um, but that was kind of my only thing. It's like, yeah, well, let's, if we're going to have this conversation, let's, let's really have it. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thought it spun all those plates really well. Maybe not 100% the entire time. Maybe one, one plate fell here or there, but really it's good. a wild movie to exist. Like that's the yeah. one, both of the movies, Oppenheimer and Barbie together are just like, it's wild that they exist. Like Christopher Nolan can get anything made. Like they will just give him all of the money to be able to do whatever he wants. And everyone wants to work with him. So it kind of makes sense that he was able to like pull this off. Um, And Greta Gerwig is just like super fucking talented and just seems to like know no bounds. But, you know, she's in the earlier stages relatively to Christopher Nolan, you know, like she's made a lot of very good movies and she's a household name, but it's like, I was extremely impressed of like how fun it was and how well made and how different it looked like that's practical sets, man. Look at that. It just looks, look at it. Barbie's like actual budget is not as much as, as it's like marketing budget. No. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a great, great movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Barbenheimer up and Barbie is, uh, that's news as well, but let's talk about Mm. some news stories that, uh, are a bummer and should make you sad. Story number one, Hollywood studios, WGA strike Endgame is to let writers go broke before resuming talks in the fall. This is written by Dominic Patton at deadline. Receiving positive feedback from Wall Street since the WGA went on strike on May 2nd, Warner Brothers Discovery, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Paramount, and others have become determined to, quote, break the WGA, as one studio exec blatantly put it. To do so, the studios and the AMPTP believe that by October, most writers will be running out of money after five months on the picket line with no work. Quote, the endgame is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their homes, end quote. The studio executive told Deadline, acknowledging the cold-as-ice approach, several other sources reiterated the statement. One insider called it, quote, a cruel but necessary evil, end quote. The studios and streamers think financially strapped writers could go to WGA leadership and demand they restart talks before what could be a very cold Christmas. In that context, the studios and streamers feel they would be in a position to dictate most of the terms of any possible deal. 
Publicly, the AMPTP are refuting the so-called October Surprise. Quote, These anonymous people are not speaking on the behalf of the AMPTP or member companies who are committed to reaching a deal and getting our industry back to work. End quote. A spokesperson for the organization says, Still, since the WGA called its first strike in 15 years in early May, there have been no discussions between the AMPTP and the Guild desperate uh and the guild despite persistent public guild offers uh to meet sources close to the amptp insist there has been no direct offers from the wga leadership to resume talks so the big poll from this one is uh the rumored quote from a studio exec saving like we'll just wait for them to run out of money and then they'll have to come back uh mike do you think that's like cool to do mm-hmm. to no. living people. Nope. Uh, this is going to be the running trend of just about every single um, article that we're going to read here is that this is why unions were built and that we're going through the process and this, what it, this is what it is, but this is just all about greed, power and fucking disrespect. Yeah. This is just like anybody, whether they have $43 million or more or less can look at the situation with just even the faintest morals and just be like, oh, we should fix that. We should all work together to fix that. Let's fix yeah. that. And they don't want to because they have all the power right now. Like the writers and the actors, they have the power to be able to like, what are you going to do without us? You can't create anything. You can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You can't make anything. You won't make any money. But they don't have as much money as the these other people. And so like, yeah, they can just wait them out. It's literally just, it's warfare and it's fucking sucky. That's not what unions and these type of strikes are supposed to do. They're supposed to immediate conversations that should have been happening already that were not happening respectfully. And yeah. it sucks. It sucks because it's just like people treating people like absolute garbage. It's garbage people treating other people like garbage. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never I don't think I had any disillusions that, you know, studio executives were like cool. Uh, I don't think I don't think like, you know, multimillionaires or billionaires are really like that cool. Uh, I don't really think that they like can exist ethically. So it's not like that surprising that they would say something like this, but it is so cold and it's just such a lack of disrespect for, you know, um, the backs of the people that have built your wealth for you you know and it's, it's like insane it's, it's insane it's crazy you know and like uh it's it's something that's going to come up later but like you know there's uh i think it's worth mentioning kind of early on there's this kind of um uh misconception among people who work in the film and television industry that they all are making crazy amounts of money where it is a large percentage of like I think um a lot like 80 something percent of actors in SAG don't even make the amount of money necessary to get health insurance which is like $26,000 a year mm-hmm. um and it's just like that th- this is who we're fighting for and the streaming model has only uh made it harder for people to get paid well this kind of like gold rush the content uh and it's all you know we we've lived in the streaming era for a while 
And I think it's now that we're starting to see it kind of bend and break um, because of the labor crisis. It's kind of pretty easy to see that it is like, you know, Netflix, the streaming model, the gold rush of streaming is something that is uh, a part of the tech boom, which has burst and built on just power hungry CEOs uh, who, you know, saw it as a way to make, make a lot of money and they are making a lot of money and it's not really trickling down to any of the people who are uh, doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of CEOs, mm-hmm. story number two, Disney CEO, Bob Iger says writers and actors are not being realistic with the strikes quote. It's very disturbing to me. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck Bob Iger written by Ellis Schaefer at variety during an appearance at CNNBC. CNBC's quote squawk box on Thursday morning <laughs> Disney yeah I know Disney CEO Bob Iger said that the writers and actors union going on strike in Hollywood are not being quote realistic with their expectations speaking to CNBC's David Faber from the Sun Valley Conference in Idaho Iger commented on the ongoing Writers Guild of America strike and imminent decision for SAG-AFTRA to join them so this is pre SAG joining the uh, picket line. You should do like an Emperor Palpatine impression when you're saying this quote. <laughs> it's very, very disturbing <laughs> to me. <sighs> it's very, this is a Bob Iger quote. Uh, it's very disturbing to me. <laughs> We've talked about the disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing. The recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. It's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add that disruption. I understand any labor. I'm going to go back to being me. Yeah, yeah. Any labor organization's desire to work on the behalf of its members to get the most compensation and be compensated fairly based on the value they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to the great business. We wanted to do the same thing with writers and we'd like to do the same thing with actors. There's a level of expectation they have that's just not realistic. And they're adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. Fuck you. <clears throat> it will have a very, very damaging effect on the whole business. And unfortunately, there's a huge collateral damage in the industry to people who are supporting who are supportive services, and I can go on and on. It will affect the economy of different regions, even because of the sheer size of the business. It's a shame. It is really a shame. End quote. In a shocking move, by uh, Iger returned as Disney CEO in November 2020, less than a year after his initial exit. From 2022. A, 2022, sorry. Sorry. After his initial exit from a 15-year run at the helm. <clears throat> he took over for Bob Chapik, with his intention of being of being to look for a new successor. However, with Disney's numerous internal issues and the need to reinvent its linear TV model in the streaming age, it was expected within the industry that Iger's contract would be extended. In 2022, Iger's total pay package was $15 million, though Chapik, who was paid $24.5 million, was at the helm for the majority of last year. After Iger took over again, it was revealed that he has potential to earn up to $27 million in 2023, his first full year as returned CEO. 
Uh, it should be noted that uh, he did this interview at what is described as Summer Camp for Billionaires, and there is another article floating out there of him talking about his starter yacht. Uh, Burge, I'm going to take a sip of water. What do you think about this? Um, I think that Bob Iger is an extremely talented person who um, is, I'm being sarcastic, uh, who <laughs> is kind of at the forefront of all decision making um, within not just Disney as a studio, but just like, you know, the whole commercial enterprise of uh, filmmaking and cinema as a whole. Um, and without him, honestly, we would be in a worse place than we are right now. Um, and that's it, you know, it's just, uh, and he deserves to have $27 million every year, uh, so that he can fix his fucking yacht. Um, yachts don't fix themselves and they're not cheap, bitches. They're not cheap. So they're huge. You need a lot of labor. Newsflash, assholes. Uh, he's got to fix his fucking yacht. <laughs> also too, summer camp for billionaires. Yeah, that's a really fun name, but also that's not free either, motherfuckers. That's why only billionaires go there. It's not that's fucking funny. cheap. So maybe if everybody would stop uh, being a little goo goo gaga about this and Bob Iger can just like relax. Uh, the no, man guy, can't relax. He absolutely relax. sucks shit um, out of butts, like straight out of butts, like farm to table shit. Like it's just like the worst. Uh, he's completely just delusional. Um, Bob Iger is just like one of the worst goddamn fucking things to ever happen to the major kind of studio filmmaking branch again, not just Disney, just like this is the guy that I don't know, man, like he kind of set everything up for like what happened, what's been happening for like the past like 15 years, like he left, he wasn't there, but he set it all up. And yeah, I mean, isn't wasn't he at the helm with all the like the Disney acquisitions that they are yeah. starting to like consider selling? Do yes, because now they're just like now they're like we don't want this anymore because who gives a shit? I don't know. And yeah. it's like everything's IP at the same time. Like they're bad at it. They're bad at their jobs, yeah. you know. And it's like we're gonna talk about this in a little bit once we get to one of the big things of why the writers strike and the actors are striking, why it's all happening. But the idea of like AI and stuff like that is the one thing, like, I feel like a studio executive is like, that's the one thing that AI could re that's an algorithm. They're paid to be an oh, algorithm. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love this narrative of why don't we just replace the CEOs? With this AI? is it. Like, this is yeah. the thing. It's like, no, wait, <laughs> they're the thing that's algorithmic. Their entire job is to go. This is what has worked. This is what could work. This is how much it would make. This is how much we should spend on it. That's a fucking robot. That's a computer. That's well, I think, just do I, that. I think the uh, the fear, whereas I do think that um, it makes more sense to replace what a CEO does with, you know, basically a smart Excel sheet. Uh, I do think that I would worry that uh, the AI CEO would um, then be like, oh, yeah, we definitely should replace writers with AI. I need a yacht. I yeah, can't afford the, my, the AI my digital has, yacht. Like, has other AI friends, chat GDP, chat whatever, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you know, a new Power Rangers movie should really be written by my good friend, chat GDP. Yeah. Zordon so, you himself know, should you write cannot, this. Yeah, you cannot trust these guys, these mm -hmm. robot guys. And you can't trust Bob Iger either. Yeah, I mean, like, it is, um, you know, it's cartoon villainy. There's one part of this quote that I, I fucking 
hate. And I think it's like actually like the most like backhanded thing ever. And it's uh, I understand any labor organization's desire to work on the behalf of its members to get the most compensation and be compensated fairly. And it just seems it's just like, yeah, I get that a union's trying to shake me down. And it's just like, no, fuck you. No, mm-hmm. fuck you. It's not what that, that's not what's happening. This, They're try- you don't pay them enough. This is gaslighting. He yeah, is exactly. He like, is get, the oh, problem. Yeah, he's the one it. that's yeah. being nasty and holding all of this up and being disruptive and he's just like, "Can you believe these fucking guys over here?" The rumor Can you is believe also believe what they're fucking doing. The the ups, the unsubstantiated rumor is uh and I get this only from the is it uh who who did the video where he was like, "I'm going to fucking get you." Ron Perlman, right? Oh yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah he's, like, video where he's just he's just like fuck you, man. The rumor no, is that he's the one who said that Bob Iger is the one who said the deadline quote that we read earlier. Probably. Yeah, it's just like cool. You're a piece of shit. Yeah, that's fine. That's, I mean, it's yeah, it it's nasty shit, and um, it absolutely sucks. And again, like at the forefront of all of this are just like writers and actors, people who work within the community that me and you and probably all of our listeners love and follow and cherish very much, just wanting to be treated. And here is the big fucking word fairly. They yes. don't want to get fucking filthy ass rich and go to summer camp for billionaires and have to fix their yachts. They want to be able to get health care. They want to be able to live affordably. They want to have a lifestyle that makes sense for the amount of work that they do, or at least is tangentially connected to like how the job used to be before like streaming giants and shit took over. They want residuals. They want to be uh, yes. in on the deal when their when their projects are successful. And that's fair. Yeah, they and want to be fairly be and respectfully compensated for their work. And they that's also want, they also want breaks. Did you see the rejected uh, yeah. negotiation? Dude, it's, it's so fucking I could I could have included insane. a thousand stories in this episode, yeah. but like things of just like uh fines increased for lack of breaks, rejected. It's like fuck you, guys. Uh moving on to story number three. The top Hollywood exec made four hundred and ninety-eight million dollars in the last five years. 384 times as much as the average writer. This is written by Jennifer Liu at CNBC. David Zaslav, CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, huge piece of shit, was paid for this is not the the person who wrote this article did not say that. I said that. Uh was paid 498 950 $500 million between 2018 and 2022, according to a Times analysis of executive compensation at 10 publicly held media and entertainment companies. That's a staggering 384 times the average pay of a Hollywood writer. Overall, average pay for Hollywood for Hollywood's top exec climbed to $28 million in 2021, up 53% from 2018. And roughly 108 times the average writer's pay, according to the analysis, which uses compensation data research from firm Equilier and includes stock options, base salaries, bonuses, and other perks. Meanwhile, the average pay for Hollywood writers has remained virtually flat at about $260,000 as of 2021. The The Times reports, median screenwriter has dropped 14%. When adjusted for inflation over the last five years, according to statistics from the Writers Guild of America, the tele, the TV, and Film Writers Union, with eleven thousand five hundred members. So the follow-up story we're gonna talk about how you know two hundred sixty thousand dollars for a screenplay, not so bad. 
pretty good. But yeah, when adjusting for inflation and also, you know, considering where a lot of these people live, which is like in L.A., uh, $260,000, pretty good, but not the most money in the world, you know? No. And it's definitely not uh, $28 million that some of these execs make. So that's all pretty good. But I think let's jump to story number four and then kind of talk about the whole yeah, picture. Yeah. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk about how much TV writers make. And I found a story that's actually not from this month. It's from uh, April. Uh, and the story goes like this. A writer from FX's The Bear went to the Writers Guild of America Awards with a negative bank account balance and won for Best Comedy Series. He's now applying for jobs at movie theaters as writers prepare to go on strike. This is written by Lode Lee at Insider on April 29th, so before the, the strike began. A 28-year-old writer for FX's award-winning series, The Bear, said he's looking for jobs at movie theaters as members of the Writers Guild of America prepare to go on strike Tuesday to demand better pay from studios. Alex O'Keefe, one of the seven writers for the comedy starring Jeremy Allen White, told The New Yorker that writing for an acclaimed show has not translated to a glitzy Hollywood lifestyle. Quote, it's a very regular, degular, working-class existence. End quote. O'Keefe, who has also worked as a speechwriter for for Senator Elizabeth Warren, told the magazine. Uh, The following is a tweet from Alexander O'Keefe. Working as a staff writer, I was still broke, still on Medicaid. The studio wouldn't fly me out to the writer's room in L.A., so I woke from my Brooklyn apartment. My heat was out. That pandemic winter, my space heater blew out the lights. I worked on episode eight from a library. All I can say about Hollywood is this. All that glitter is not gold. I won the lottery and landed a gig on a low-budget show that became a national sensation. The bear was a gift, but in the end, the bear was a gig. And between gigs, I barely survived. 98% of staff writers work for minimum. We don't receive residuals based on success of our streaming shows. We don't have a way to stay afloat between gigs. And every gig feels like a miracle. Without a strong union, we have no safety net. The professional writer is going extinct. Newspapers are dying. Provocative news media has been replaced by sponsored content. And AI seeks to sterilize all creativity. Will screenwriting be a gig? Or will it be a career? End quote. Television writers are paid weekly rates, according to the WGA's Compensation Guide. A showrunner told Insider that first-time and newer writers can make around $40,000 to $60,000 for 10 weeks of work. Uh, So, yeah. So, you know, while uh, film and television writers, on average, can make over $200,000 a year, uh, we live in the streaming era where most jobbing writers are writing for streaming shows and uh yeah it's not easy to get gigs on shows and when those shows seasons are up you're out of a gig and living in brooklyn and making at max sixty thousand dollars a year is not enough money so mike how do you feel about the whole picture of this Uh, I mean, it's like it's all coming down again to like this, the idea of, you know, like he said, like the the glitz and gold of it all. Like, oh, you work in Hollywood, you're in the film and TV business, you must make so much money. And it's like, no, 
It's not the way it works. And again, like some people might look at some of these numbers, you know, again, that 250,000 average thing is like that is averaged out. So even just a few high profile WGA writers, someone like Aaron Sorkin or other I don't want to name specific people because I don't I don't want to be like that. But people who are have won Academy Awards and are highly sought after can pretty much get anything made. You know, they're going to get paid a lot of money for their scripts. And that is going to mess with the median average of like the lower end of like what people are typically making. So that number is like, not like, you know, Oh wow. They make $250,000 a year. They should be just fine. It's like, well, it's an average of probably a pretty small pool of people. Exactly. Yes. You know, like then there, that number is being boosted up. I would imagine by the, you know, top like 10% of like what it is. Like everything else is probably very much below that. And again, like these people are usually operating in uh, metropolitan cities because that's where the gigs are. That's where the business is that New York City's Los Angeles, Seattle, Austin, like these are the cities, Chicago. These are the cities where all of these things are happening. And those places are not cheap to live um, because they are cool and fun and things happen there, you know, so it's like that's what it is. And it's again it just comes down to like people are just not making enough money and this is again like this is a labor issue across the board across not just the country but the entire fucking world everything is falling apart right now where greed is just like grabbing everybody in power like by the fucking neck and they're just like going along with it and it's ruining people's lives and it's like we're all just so beaten down that revolution is just kind of like a, oh, God, do we, now we have to do that. We have, we have to, to revolt and eat the rich. Oh, <laughs> God. I mean, I'm working on my guillotine right now, but, you know, I mean, it's my I first would, one. It's a starter a, guillotine. It's a starter guillotine. Yeah, anybody that knows me knows I got a couple rich people that I would love to fucking eat. Um, so num 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 like Colin Farrell num 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 in a nice way in a nice way in a nice way in a nice way. But that's kind of again it goes back to this misconception of yeah all this glitter is not gold where you know the the Chris Hemsworth like yeah they make a ton of money to do Avengers and stuff like that they also you know over the course of fifteen years kind of like fought for that compensation absolutely um if you guys remember like robert Downey jr was the only one who was really getting paid the big bucks and he was kind of the one that fought for his fellow avengers cast members to also get paid some motherfucking money so i mean you know and they make they make a lot of money (laughs) they are movie stars like they they are are like a-list blockbuster stars they're not you know fucking joe schmo that's working on the latest episode of csi so he can fucking eat next week like it's that's And then, like, something like The Bear, where The Bear is a massive success. Massive. Massive Massive success. success. And the fact that the people who worked so hard to create this, like, piece of art do not get any of the residuals from something becoming successful. You know, if you're a bartender and it's a good day, you make more money. Yes. You know, and it's it's not a totally lateral equation for all industries. But I do think if you make something that hits, you should see some extra money because, yeah. you know, it's making more. Yeah. Uh, fucking, you know, Hulu did not make the bear. No, they didn't fly that motherfucker out to L.A. to no, write they, with his fellow cast member, or fellow yeah, writers. Christopher like. Storer and this writer's room and these actors like they and these direct like they the fucking production. 
It's so simple. They know this too. Like this is the thing is like we can just spin around in circles all day talking about this and people have been since May. And quite frankly, that's what they want us to do. Spin around in circles, stay mad, cry more, go for it. Because there's nothing that we can do outside of just like calling upon legal resources of some kind that can act moralistically. You know, you don't have to break the law to be penalized. You don't. This is fucking America. And what a sentence. This is America. This is America. And it's like anybody can look at this and go, they are abusing this system that multiple, like, Millions of people rely on this, not just for finances, but like even more for entertainment, stability, uh, locations across the country rely on the productions of like these things to happen to be able to keep their cities and towns and counties and states going. There has to come a time where people like fucking like the the government's not going to fucking do anything. But wouldn't it be great if the government was just like, hey. You fucking around over there, Bob Iger? Hmm. You know that tax thing that we were talking about a couple years ago? Seems like now's a really good time for that. Maybe these states can make up for the the lack of productions and stuff like that. We'll just tax you guys. We're gonna. They're never gonna do that because everybody's in these guys' pockets. But it's just like we have to revolt. We have to eat people. That's what it has to be. We have to go eat people. Everybody listening to the podcast now, stop your car, get out, (laughs) rise up. Eat the nearest person and eat the nearest eat their money. (laughs) Ask them how much they make. And if it's over a hundred thousand dollars a year, eat them. Let's start out small. Yeah, we'll start small. Start small and work our way up. Uh yeah, seems like a good plan to me. So yeah, uh everything sucks and it's hard. And like, you know, just even for for our jobs, like, you know, like doing covering stuff like this or you know like i i i've been trying to break into like more of like an entertainment writing industry and like stuff like this is terrifying because it makes me feel like there's not a viable career for for being a writer and it's just uh it's always really disheartening and it's sad and i wanted to share my existential dread (laughs) with everyone who listens to this podcast so you're welcome uh speaking of existential dread mattel execs on next hollywood moves Barney, Polly Pocket, and Barbie sequels. Kill by, me. Kill me. Written by Elizabeth Wagmaster Wagmeister mm-hmm. at Variety. After dominating the box office and breaking records with Barbie, Mattel has officially arrived in Hollywood. In 2018, after the tumultuous period of declining sales, Mattel bought in a new CEO. And they're taking all the right lessons from this. They are. They have learned everything. They know exactly what to do moving forward. Mattel brought in a new CEO, businessman uh, Yonin Kreese who had a vision to turn the story toy company into an IP-driven machine, essentially creating a Mattel cinematic universe. An MCU, one might say. (sighs) Now, with the (laughs) immense success of Barbie, the path is clear for Mattel to make whatever they want, and they have a ton (laughs) of projects and works with A-list partners. They can do anything. You can make whatever they want. With dozens of children's children's toys on their film slate, 14 Mattel properties are in active development, including Barney, Polly Pocket, Thomas and Friends, and American Girl. I don't know what that last one is. 
You don't know about American Girl dolls? Uh-oh. Oh, I'll tell you oh, gosh. Oh, you know what yeah, they are. Yeah, I was going to say. Not, yeah. It's basically, it's like, it, Little Women is like essentially like American Girl dolls. <laughs> of course, the door is also wide open for Barbie sequels. Director Greta Gertwig has said that she is not thinking about a follow-up at this time. Good. Saying, quote, at this moment, it's all I've got. The Just movie came out a week ago. <laughs> Please watch it. Stop. But after Margot Robbie starring Hot Pink Fan, but after the Margot Robbie starring Hot Pink Fantasia has grossed an astonishing 380 million worldwide in its first five days, it's safe to bet that Mattel and Warner Brothers will want more. Speaking to Variety about their IP strategy just days before Barbie was released, Mattel executives were hopeful to open up an entire Barbie world of sequels. "Quote Barbie." as a brand has many different iterations the product lines of barbie is very broad it's a very broad brand in addition to the main barbie figure she has a family <laughs> she has a lot of elements around in her universe creates soul variety it's very it's a very rich universe it's a very broad and elastic brand in terms of opportunities uh i've i feel like i've never seen someone take so many wrong lessons and also have a mission statement that's so antithetical to the theme of a movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so, oh, Mike, yeah. are, which, are you excited to see uh, Polly Pocket, directed by Lena Dunham? Oh, what a fucking sentence. That is true, um, also. Oh, well, I know it fucking yeah, okay. is. I saw it. I fucking... Right, good. Stupid shit. I do want to see that, Bar- that Barney movie, though. I mean, yeah, I'll see these things. I like movies. I just love that this guy, like, yeah. has not seen Barbie. I would oh, put yeah. money down that that man, he saw some clips. Uh, if he actually sat through a screening of it, private or public, he was probably on his phone or thinking about something else. I don't know, like, how to fucking poison more puppies in his fucking neighborhood. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, it's uh, you're taking all the wrong lessons from this thing, man. It's like it's so crazy. It's it, it's wild, but everybody wants it. Like everything is good. This is the this is it. This is the. It is time for like the waters to come and for Noah to build his ark kind of situation. The world <laughs> has become so full of sin that it's just like it's just going to keep getting washed worse. Away. It has to get washed away, and it must. The only away. way that that's going to happen is that. You know, Oppenheimer and Barbie, you know, both big movies that are in their own way based on a pre-existing IP. Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan at this point, is his own intellectual property. You you yeah. put his fucking name on something, it's an event, which, you know, he's like one of the only directors like that right now. Like Jordan Peele also kind of has that, you know, Spielberg and Scorsese still have that edge to them, like with certain Tarantino generations and demographics. Tarantino, absolutely. Yeah. But he's going to be leaving soon, you know. And then, like, you even go smaller on those things like, you know, Kelly Reichardt and just like these things where it's like, oh, Kelly Reichardt made like a brand new indie movie that's going to sweep the Academy unless another Minari comes out and they'll focus in on that one instead of First Cow and everything will be fine and we'll just move on and forget that that happened and it was fucked up. Um Minari is really good, though. It is really good, so you can't blame it. But also at the same time, <laughs> yes, you fucking can. First guy um, is also really good. 
I can't wait. Wouldn't it be amazing if Bo is Afraid got like so many nominations? Like the Academy just fell in love with the movie. I, I think I think everyone has forgotten about Bo is Afraid, which I haven't but seen yet. That's what I, really I mean. Like, to. wouldn't yeah. it be great if it just came back and it's like nominated for 12 Academy Awards? It would be, it would be funny only because it would show you like when people are voting or something or setting in their votes. Right. So, like, did you guys vote in like March? Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need to see anything else. We got it. And we, we voted for Oppenheimer before it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just like so tone deaf and also just like such a bad fucking look in this like current climate to be like we're gonna do it all again and also like a story that i didn't include on this run of show was uh bye bye saying like uh we're gonna we're gonna do less star wars and marvel shit and it's like oh you guys figured it out now oh yeah you think so and it's so annoying because it's like it's such a lack of accountability where it's like okay first of all star wars and marvel are cool and you guys fucking ruined it you oversaturated it. You made the IP close to fucking worthless. It's not worthless, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not. I mean, did you see Secret Invasion? It's fucking getting there. I, I heard. Sir, I saw that the final episode got a 13 percent run. Jeez, that like, final wow. episode is just like, what are did you, you doing? watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. So how abysmal is it? It's fucking terrible. Nothing happens in it. It fucking sucks. It sucks. It's just sucks. I was I was kind there's of interested. No, there's no saving yeah. grace to it. There's little aspects of it that you're like, well, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, no, just keep watching. They're going to fuck that up. They fuck yeah. everything up. I was like semi interested in watching it. And then I saw that they made the intro with AI. And I was like, you know what? I skip over that, too, which I like think I, I am notoriously I like I watch the opening credits to every show. It's a nice table set. I love it. It, love it gets too. me going. I skipped over that every single time except for the first episode and the last episode because the first episode I was like, let's see this fucking thing. I was like, looks like shit, makes me sad, not watching it again. And then when it was the last episode, I was like, well, if we're going to get the full 13% Rotten Tomatoes out of this thing, let's, let's really just go it for it. Let's and you know what? It out. Put me in a bad... I was sneering at the yeah. screen before like the first thing even started. I was just like, motherfucking piece of shit. It's uh yeah, it's a bad look and we'll see. I mean, the streaming model is an architecture that does not benefit anyone but CEOs and it makes it harder for people to fight for their uh compensation. It's not like network television where delaying something actually really would hurt a network and a brand and the people at the top of that brand whereas things like Netflix, like Netflix which are so uh non-transparent with their release schedule and numbers Uh, they can really take advantage of people and we're seeing that they are. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, as we round out from the news, uh, please, oh, be, be talking about this Mm -hmm. on social media and always, you know, when you're, we're having a really good year for content. Uh, sorry to say that next year will not be, (laughs) um, because all these things that are paused or canceled will, uh, not see the light of day for a long time. So, uh, just keep in mind that, you know, everything that you watch on your boob tube, uh, is made by people and it's made by people who are like you, where they, uh, finances are a huge part of their lives. And, you know, just because you know, a lot of household names in the film, TV and entertainment industry, uh, there's a lot of names you don't know. And those people who, you know, scroll by on the credits at the end of your favorite show or movie, uh, those people may not make as much money as you think. And yeah, so just keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, on Etsy, there's a lot of uh, mo- there's a lot of blueprints for building your own guillotine. 
and you can also you know go on Etsy and spend a few few dollars to uh, get the schematics to build a guillotine. And if you have a big enough 3D printer, you can make one there too. So let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh, a part of the show that's less of a bummer and will be next year though. Uh, Story Screen Reports Spotlights. This is the section of the show where I tell you what is coming out to screens and uh, smaller screens. Streaming screens, unfortunately, uh, next month. So this is for the month of August. I forgot to change that on here. I don't know why I need to change it now, but I must. Movies! On August 2nd, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem comes out. On August 4th, The Meg 2 The Trench comes out and shortcomings. August 11th, Gran Turismo, The Pod Generation, Heart of Stone, Last Voyage of Demeter. All the world years. is a vampire! <laughs> I wish they didn't show you the monster in that trailer. Uh, I wish he was like Dracula style, not monster style. Yeah, when I when I went and saw... What did I... I went and saw Insidious the Red Door, which we will fucking get to in a moment. The last uh, voyage of the Demeter, um, when the, the world is a vampire, like, drops. <laughs> My theater... A packed, sold-out opening night Insidious the Red Door screening erupted in, like, laughter, applause, just general appreciation <laughs> that that's what they were doing. And it was... Movies are back. It was... I... Fuck it. Ugh. It was, like, the exact opposite of how I have felt this entire conversation <laughs> where i and i apologize that i'm swearing so much and i'm probably talking i already talk very loudly but i'm i'm, I'm sure that i'm i'm being very very bad but yeah no last voyage of the demeter colon the world is a vampire mm -hmm. check it out august 18th blue beetle don't believe Strays. you <laughs> the monkey king comes to netflix and landscape with invisible hand august 25th Bottoms. Yes. Vacation Friends 2 comes to Hulu and Retirement Plan. On streaming, so streaming, you know, a lot of stuff comes out that I don't really fucking care about. So I try to put things that I think people who listen to this might want to know is coming out and things that I think are cool. Coming to streaming, Only Murders in the Building Season 3 comes out August 8th on Hulu. Strange Planets, which I kind of want to watch, comes out August 9th to Apple TV+. Painkiller comes out August 10th to Netflix. Solar Op Opposite Season 4 comes to Hulu on August 14th. And Dan Stevens replaced um, uh, the guy who voices Rick and Morty, who's, uh, Justin Rowland. Justin Rowland's no longer on the show. They replaced it with Dan Stevens. Uh, so I'm kind of into that. I kind of want Now I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. Because uh, Justin Rowland sucks. Ahsoka comes out August 23rd to Disney+. And the One Piece... Live action show comes out August 31st to Netflix. Uh, Mike, what are you excited about on this list of new releases or soon to be oh, releases? God, I just found out. I'm so I just got a picture of my cat uh, who is just getting picked up from the vet after going into surgery yesterday. We really thought that the estimate was going to be like. I don't want to be specific. We thought it was going to be way higher than it actually yeah. was. And we just got the thing back and it's like almost half of what we were expecting. So that's, Ooh, that's phenomenal. I mean, it's more important that she's okay. That she's taken care of. She's healing up. She's going to be good. I hope she doesn't have to wear a cone, but I just got a picture and a total. And it's just like, Oh, that's way better. Okay. That's fantastic. Cool. Ooh. Okay. I'd love to see it. 
very excited about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, me and you are about to start venturing out on a fun little journey yes. of uh, going through those um, films that are... I, did, uh, I forgot that we have to watch the Michael Bay one. Isn't it going to be great? It's going to be fun. I've never seen, I've never seen it. I've never seen them either. Uh, Wait. Wait, them? Yeah. There's more there them. are two of them. Fuck me. All I right, let's do it. <laughs> I think it's like TMNT is like the official name of the first one. And then I think it's TMNT colon out of the shadows. And they stay, I, and they're the produced by Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. They're directed by right. one of his like underlings, e- evil little fucking henchmen. That's like, them. <laughs> <laughs> they're like aliens. They're like Bob Iger. Um, very excited about Meg too. Um, you know, I, I think that when Jason Statham is in full on mocking his own persona mode, he's the best, um, shortcomings is, uh, based off of a really cool, um, graphic novel, um, that I am into. It's not the best work from that guy, but, um, it is one that's the easiest thing to make into a movie. Yeah. Um, Gran Turismo, I'm excited because I don't have to watch trailer anymore. Do you know? Did you know that Gran Turismo is based off a true story? I did know that. You did know that? You know, because I, I feel I like that to... should be more at the forefront of their marketing because I feel like that's I, the most interesting thing about it. I used to work with uh, a kid at my last job where he, um, he's like the Gran Turismo kid where he, uh, has like a crazy home, like virtual racing kit where he plays like racing games and he, did it competitively. He got really good. He even got sponsorships and he did this competition and now he won like, it's like what the movie is. He won. Like now he's going to do actual racing because he got so cool. good at virtual racing. Good. I was like, that's cool. It I is saw, cool. I said, it to, I said that he's like 18 year old kid. I sent it to him. I was just like, is this movie about you? And he's like, no, I was like, you fucking, I know it's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I am going to go see Gran Turismo because I am going to see every movie of the Shea Wiggum Renaissance this year. Uh, he is in that movie. Um, love, yeah, he's in know, a lot of movies. Though. He's in a lot of movies this year because he's coming he on out, baby. He works. I think he's one of the defining, has has at least one of the defining moments, if not one of the defining characters of Across the Spider-Verse. He plays Gwen Stacy's dad. And I think that the scenes with Gwen Stacy's oh, dad yeah. are just like, get the fuck out of here. Not well, just because great. of his performance, but yeah. everything going on in there. And he's a very large part of it. He's great in uh, Mission Impossible. As, uh, oh. What's what's uh, he's like? Basically, Tommy Lee Jones from yeah. He, he's uh, 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 the fugitive. Uh, yeah, the, the fugitive. They even he's, have that scene. It's the same scene when he jumps out of the train. I'm like, it's, oh, it's, the it's like it's the Alec Baldwin <laughs> character from you know from Rogue Nation. It's the Jeremy Renner character from Ghost Protocol. Like these True. characters yes. eventually fall yes. in love with Ethan Hunt, but there's always that guy that's like by the book salt of the earth like ethan hunt's a fucking joke and like once they start seeing him Fuck doing all guy. of his little ballerina stuff they're like man he's fucking got that juice though you know like, i he's can't, good. He I is, can't he help is but good, respect though. his game he's good uh very he excited about last voyage of the demeanor the world is a vampire i can't wait uh, for the world I to wish, become I more wish, vampire yeah i just wish he was more i want more the same way that i want joker to not be a scarred fucked up looking guy and become more of like just, just like, like a mentally with, ill person. Yeah, who just like who's like a little like clean cut. I do. Yeah, yeah. Who's just like a little bit more like mentally I feel like that's Ill. creepier than someone who's like just like fucked up looking. I I want more like I want sexy Dracula to come back. 
We'll see. I don't know if that brought it, but we'll see. I mean, I feel like Last Voyage of the Demeter like reeks of we are going to advertise a completely different movie than what this is. Fuck the audiences. The people that are going to like this movie are going to like it anyway. Let's try and make some money. The Vavitch. You know, stuff yeah. like that, where it's just like, we're going to advertise I, this I like as way... a lot, for sure. I do, too. Spooky, I think it's a cool idea. on a boat. Spooky yeah. on a boat is good. Um, Blue Beetle is not actually a movie, so I don't know why it's on here. They did not yeah. make it. That's um, the first AI movie. Bottoms, baby. Come on, baby. Here oh, we I'm go. ready. Here we fucking go. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Let's Cinema's back. go. Let's get some movies before they go away forever. <laughs> uh, retirement plan I won't be seeing. Uh, Strange Planet. Do you know anything about Strange Planet? Mm-mm. It's based off. If you look it up on IMDb, it is um, based off of a web comic uh, by um, Nathan W. Pyle. Uh, he kind of mm. like if you probably see it on Instagram and stuff. It's like usually like two to three panels, uh, aliens who just like are funny, and uh, it's kind of a show based off that. Kind of like. Um, What's what's that other web comic? Uh, is it the Oatmeal? Aliens? Is that what it was called? Aliens. Are you talking about like the aliens where they're like, it's I can has cheeseburger. Like they're like kind of like that. The blue guys. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like they just say very literal things. Yes, and so it's oh, a show okay. kind of based off that. But it has Uh-oh. like a, <laughs> when you say it like that, it we'll see. Okay. Uh, it has a lot of good like voice talent behind it, which gets me. That sounds excited. fun. Yeah. yeah again, yeah, I, I think not, it'd be fun. I don't want to. I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yums here. Okay. I, I hope if, if you guys are fucking stoked about this thing, fuck yeah, can't wait. But I hear that pitch, and I'm just like, how did that make it all the way to it's being released like next week? How did like, that you get gonna, all the way there? That is true. Oh, that's I didn't know about it until I was looking up stuff to put on this list. Mm-hmm. Mike, did you watch, uh, or are you going to watch Ahsoka? Yeah, yeah, I think me, me too. Yeah, it, I didn't looks, watch. Like one I of didn't the watch Mando. Ones. I didn't watch Mando season three. Mm-mm. I watched the first episode, and I was like, you know what? I did it watch the it. Right time. Um, I think I remember it. Well, maybe I'll I feel just like, stop, maybe I'll way- just stop that sentence right there. Uh, I feel like I remember the ending being a little bit stronger, but actually, I don't think that that's the case. I think the whole thing just kind of sucked, and there was like some cool shit in there. Hmm. Um, it definitely that made me appreciate right. Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett, more. Remember when we opened the book? When- when we all read I was, from the book. I was, so, I was so excited when it closed. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy when it closed. Remember how good we used to fucking have it? Dude, I, I really like Mandalorian. It's crazy knowing me that I did not watch. I started season three and I was like, actually, fuck this. I don't want it. Uh, Yeah, I think that's all I'll be watching next month. <laughs> uh tv show i mean the witcher season two season witcher oh. season three part two just came out i think today it started right it started today well it, it, they drop them all right yeah so i think it's like another four or five episodes uh season three has been pretty tight this season uh however very there's too much going on it's very hard to understand but that's how that's those how books seasons. are like yeah. that's how they are that's oh sorry i knocked my mic um that's how they are. Like, that's kind of the, yeah. that's kind of like my, the charm that I get from them is like, I'm not here to like follow all these people. I like these three characters. And when they show up and do things, I'm like, cool. I really don't know if I'm going to watch the show without Henry Cavill. I really don't know. 
because he does a lot. He he's lot one of the it. main things that I watch for, and he's so good. You like if you think that he was good as his Superman, which I truly do think that he is very good as that type of Superman. He's amazing. He's one of the best Mission Impossible villains. Spoiler alert. Uh, he's just so fucking good. And The Witcher, I think, is like one of his like defining performances. And the fact that they're essentially firing him because he cares too much about it. I don't know. I don't know what to fucking tell you. I thought they were firing him because he or I thought what happened was mm-hmm. he decided to leave the series because he got the offer to do more Superman. Yeah. And then they pulled out Superman and he was like, can I it's can I has can I has Superman? And they're yeah, like, no. it, it was like that. Initially, I read something where before that even happened, why he was even like considering because obviously he would love to do both. And he was yeah. trying to rework the schedule to be able to do season four. And the studio was like not that um, willing to discuss it with him because he had apparently become. Um, He's a book purist. Right? Exactly. He had become is, a yeah. little he had become what they would describe as difficult uh, on right. set with like making changes and stuff to things, because apparently season three is like the most. Um, book adaptation accurate of the whole show, right. um, which is funny because it really is just like it's essentially a heist movie. It's kind of fun. Um, and that that was the general feel that I got where it's like, listen, once like once they announced Liam Henworth is in here and then they were like, no more Superman for you, Henry. If that was all that was holding up, they easily could have just been like, never mind. Yeah, like. They're not going to hurt Liam Hemworth's feelings. I mean, maybe they'd hurt his feelings, but like legally they're allowed to do that. There had to be something else going on there. And I remember reports saying like they were putting it in a positive light, like Henry Cavill cares so much about this character that like he was almost getting we in trouble with the him. studios and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like all of a sudden this happens. And yeah. like, that's what it truly feels like is that he cared too much about the character and the world. And they're just like, we would rather hire, you know, the fucking Hunger Games third wheel uh, to do this shit. I mean, you know, th- he could be good. I'm not going to not mean Hensworth. He's good. But, but yeah, well, I, that, what I'm saying though, is like, it's, it's less about him doing it and more about just like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we, why are we kicking him out? I've only seen the first season of the Witcher. I liked it. I did think, think it's like, uh, time splitting stuff was like a little confusing for me, but mm-hmm. I, I got it by the end. And then season two, I started, I couldn't really get into it. Uh, I've actually played some of Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, and uh, the the storytelling in that game is so magnificent, and the performances, it's so good. Um, so, you know, I do recommend, if people are, are out on The Witcher, uh, the game, you can put it on super easy mode, and it is just a narrative adventure, and I recommend it to people. Witcher 3? Yeah, which three? The Wild Hunt. The Wild. It's like three hundred hours a game too. I think I have. And it's that. cheap. It's on. It's on sale all the time. I have a copy of it. It's just like sitting right. there. Like, but I, I. Yeah. I still have to play. Uh, what's the next one? I still have to play Last of Us Part One, man. Like, I still have to jump into that. I still haven't started it. I really need to. I should do that this weekend. I have a lot of time this weekend. I should start that tonight. Fuck you. I'm gonna start that tonight. <laughs> Uh, so Mike, we know you're watching The Witcher. Anything else you're watching before we get out of here? Oh, I mean, Jack Ryan season four just dropped everybody. So you, fucking you and, you and Claire dry <laughs> off those panties, motherfuckers. Um, 
I'm very excited uh, because uh, the scuttlebutt is that this is the final season because they are planning on launching a Jack Ryan cinematic universe legit. Um, JRCU. uh, Whether or not that will bring over Krasinski, time will tell. I'd rather it didn't. I think four seasons of TV is more than enough for his character. I'm actually writing a Jack Ryan article right now because I've watched all of the movies and I'm going to compare them all and... One of the fun things about it is like how aggressively different like Alec Baldwin, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, Harrison Ford, John Krasinski, like how aggressively different these actors are and how they're able to play the Jack Ryan character. And just like the Jack Ryan character is so hard to fuck up. Like you just have to follow a certain rule. It's great. Uh, Watching that. um, I need to start season three of Succession because I'm doing my Succession watch. Um... You watching uh, Righteous Jemmys? I am not. I have not watched Righteous Jemmys. That's going to be after Succession because I've heard that would be a very nice, like, kind of palate cleanser to that show, like very similar yeah. vibes. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's so it's good. It's one of the best seasons already. It's so good. Love it. Yeah, I uh, I haven't seen Succession before, and in my, I don't think I've talked about it on mic yet. That like, uh, good show. Yeah. Um, good show. Um, well made. Uh, and um, there's a lot of uh. Uh, actors in it that are good at their job yes very good at their job um outside of that you know just watching a bunch of movies and uh i think i'm gonna start watching all the x-men movies i put first class on the other day for no reason at all just had a blast and i was just like let's fuck around like with movie. these guys more like yeah it's a fucking good movie i think days of future past is good i just mm-hmm. kind of i kind of hate that it made first class like not reboot anymore Yes, they're kind of I think like that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, they're shit in first class. They're shit in those like three or no, there's four of those actually that just I mean, the Phoenix one is so fucking awful that just don't make any goddamn sense. Um, I still haven't seen Dark Phoenix. It's I've awful. only seen, I think, half of Apocalypse. I think I fell asleep in the theater like when it came out. I didn't watch that one, but I've seen the Quicksilver part. Unless, wait, is that the future past? He's got he's they do it in both. Um, okay, great. So yeah, I'm about to I'm about to mess around with that, and I'll probably like my my whole thing now is like when I venture out on these like big franchise like eat 'em ups, I'm like, yeah. well, just like figure out a way to like make content out of it. You know, like a word that I know that some people don't fucking like, but it just applies. Um, I'm disrespecting my art, okay? I won't call anybody else's stuff content. I'll call it stuff. Well, you know, if you're a creative, you must monetize your hobbies. Yes. That is the way um, to do it. Uh, but yeah, just to like feel a little bit better about, you know, quote unquote, wasting um, roughly 30 hours of my life rewatching the X-Men <laughs> movies, I'm like, just jam out a thousand words, man. Like, rank yeah. them at the very least. Just give it a little, just give it a little shit in there, yeah. So that's what I'm, uh, that's my my thing. What do you got? I'm watching. Uh, I I watched. Um, what is it? My friend Superman, the anim the mm. animated show that just came out. It's really good. It's With, really, um, really fucking good. thirst trap Jack Quaid having him. Yeah, uh, hey, having a hell of a he year. He is. He is it. He's having a hell of a year. He is a great Superman. Super good. Um, one of my I watched one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it will be in my top ten list. Uh, Shin Kamen Rider. Yeah, baby. It is so good. I am not that familiar with uh, the Shin series of, uh, of movies. I haven't seen Shin Godzilla or Shin Ultraman, but I watched Shin Kamen Rider because it was on Amazon Prime, and I was like, you know what? The trailer looks really cool. People are talking about it. I want to check it out. 
loved it. Cool. Loved, love, loved it. Thought it was so cool. Such a cool kind of like, you know, it, it almost reminds me, it's like, you know, it's it's almost like Japanese Bollywood, the way that it's like the, the CGI is like, seems like low budget, but it's very like stylistic and creative. Hell yeah. And, um, it just reminded me of like, kind of like why I like Power Rangers as a kid. And this is kind of like the dark version of it. It was so good. Uh, and I even watched some of the original Shin Kamen Rider uh, 70s show, which is kind of like, it's kind of like Power Rangers and Zoro put together it's so good it's so cool um so yeah i was i was watching that and then otherwise i don't think i'm watching that much new stuff besides righteous gemstones um we watched the bear season two yeah baby. amazing yeah, amazing baby. stuff can i say something That's that might it. get me in trouble yeah you know Freeze how it. everybody's like oh i don't watch the bear i live it Oh, I hate that shit. Because no, because also listen, you're listen, not watching the show. First off, first off, yeah. I respect it. If yeah. that makes you uncomfortable and you don't want to watch it, absolutely. I'm just saying that I am hearing more and more people say it, and everybody is different and has their own. Um, let's call it uh, claustrophobias to uh, personal life experiences. Um, they mm. they can be triggered, so to speak. Absolutely fine and respect that. However, as someone who has worked every single job in the restaurant industry from fucking dishwasher, bathroom cleaner to fucking owning and managing one and everything in between. The bear just gets it right and must be respected and saluted. Like there's a reason why it makes you anxious and like fucks with your head because it's just so good at understanding not just the stress, but like why people do it. And the fact that it's like, you kind of can't even explain why people do it. And I, I try to tell my service industry friends, I'm like, you need to experience this show. It's like, while you're in it, it's intense. But like, once you get to the end of it, you feel like rejuvenated. It's a lot like a bad shift. It's a lot like a Saturday shift where you just get your shit handed to you for eight hours straight. But when you're on the other side of it, you're like, I'm fucking good at what I do, man. I did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the show does that super well, and it's why I, like, kind of, like, it hooked me is because it, it was so relatable to, like, my experiences ever working in service industry. But I also think, like, it, it's just is so, like, lazily dismissive where it's, like, I mean, you don't have to watch, the show has great characters. Like, that's why you're watching the show is because the characters, you see them change and evolve. And also, like, this, season two is not even really about, that it's about like starting a business i mean the i was losing my fucking mind over that one too because i did that as yeah, well like sure, it's, exactly yeah, it's but just I, mean, like, ah. I just think a lot of i think a lot of these other like you know service people it's like well you're definitely not watching the show because i know you guys haven't fucking tried to do that so it's fine okay. it's fine it's just like it's this yeah. thing where it's like my mom always because my mom is a nurse and she was always like i don't want to watch medical shows because like why would i i live that and then finally like you know the first i don't know if you remember this the first uh, uh, two seasons of Grey's Anatomy are like baller ass TV. They're fucking amazing. And I was watching it. I stopped watching after the third season because I was like, oh, stupid. Um, I got my mom to start watching Grey's Anatomy, which is a hospital show. And she was just like, I fucking love this shit. It's like therapeutic. It's relatable. It's relatable. Yeah. Like, that's what it fuck. I don't, I don't know. It's I feel like it's just such an easily copied uh, opinion to have not that people that have said this to me are f making it up it's just like it just seems like for some of these people they heard somebody say like I can't take it I can't do it and it's just like 
it just feels like trauma baiting. And again, I am not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. If you can't watch it, you can't watch it. However, I'm getting I'm feeling a, a little bit of disingenuity like from it. Um and also I mean, most people are watching it, so it's fine. Here's the thing too. <laughs> if the show wasn't a masterpiece, I wouldn't be that upset. It's more like these people are my friends and I want them to experience this thing because it's just like I think that it will complete them and I think that they will love it. And I'm just like, I want to grab him and shake him and be like, shut up, you liar. Slap them. And be like, watch it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think some people watch stuff to escape, but I don't know. I think it's, it's really nice to watch something and feel like kinship over it to be like, oh, they get it. Like, yeah, that's you gonna know, get like, me I feel like trouble. that's, yeah. that's going to get me in I, trouble. I shouldn't I have said I mean, that. That's fine. People are allowed to not watch it and watch whatever they like. But I, like, this I brings agree. us. Brings us to the end, unless I make them. Uh, but this brings us to the end of Story Screen Reports. If you guys made it to this point, thank you so much for listening. Storyscreenbeacon.com, storyscreenpresents.com. Hey, baby. Is a host to many podcast articles and reviews. So head over to our website, check out all of the amazing content we put out on there. Uh, if you really like our stuff, you can sign up for our Patreon for. A few bucks a month, you can get access to even more niche, weird, fun content. Be sure to check out all of our events, which you can find on our website, and uh, meet us in person, and do some trivia, some bingo, and what have you. Uh, Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, we're adding more and more events um, to our website. Uh, if you live in the area or you're going to be visiting the area of the Hudson Valley and you want to come out and support one of those, we've got free ones, interactive ones, charge screenings. The return of pasta night is happening in Poughkeepsie soon uh, with Batman and Robin, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to do a, uh, a cold pasta dish and a classic marinara dish. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, cold veggie pasta, of course, has cold to be. Cold veggie pasta. Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got the Drag Me to the Movies event with a League of Their Own. Um, watching the movie with a full-on, uh, thematic drag performance from some local, uh, queens. Um, and, yeah, check those events out. Those were a lot of fun. Cool. So, yeah, please check that out. Uh, as for me, the only thing I gotta plug is... Uh, yeah, do that. And uh, if you like my voice and my opinions, I do some writing. You can find my articles on PC Mag and Kotaku uh, and hopefully other places soon. We shall see. But yeah, I've been doing some writing this year and have been very uh, fortunate to have some stuff out there. So if you're interested on my opinions on uh, tech and gaming, uh, go look for that stuff there. And otherwise, that's it. So goodbye. Bye.